Welcome to a night of strange weirdness and horror as we talk about Tim Burton's classic film, Edward Scissorhands. I am Coleman Taylor, and here with me is my co-host, Joshua Kazemi. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Great. Another good one. Was it good? I don't know. <laughs> I have a lot of self-doubt, so. <laughs> You've what? A lot of self-doubt, you know? Okay, okay. Well, it's probably good. A little bit what of What was that voice I was using? Self-doubt. I don't actually know. Was it like a horror TV show narrator, or was it just some thought, weird voice? <laughs> I thought you had, like, found a great specific clip of Johnny Depp talking about our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I figured you might want to do that because it sort of fulfills that dream you had of pretending to be British when you went to college. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> what a grand scheme. <laughs> yeah, now that whole dream I had of four years of doing it fulfilled in ten seconds. In podcast form. It's great. <laughs> And now it'll be immortalized forever on the internet. <laughs> so Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands. And our topic will also be Tim Burton. So boom. Tim Burton movies. Tim yeah. Burton movies. <laughs> Someone needs to talk about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of material here to go off of. <laughs> How do you feel about the title of this movie? Edward Scissorhands? Yeah. Uh, it grabs my attention. That's true. I feel like it's a it's a little on the nose. <laughs> but I still don't I don't think that's a bad thing in terms of this movie. Yeah. It reminds me of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know? <laughs> it it's like a I and I still think that's a good title as well because it it t- kind of tells you what it is. But what at the same pref- time it's just Edward Scissor Hands. What if it was just Edward See, I don't know. Maybe that's interesting, too. Or maybe that just sounds like it could be normal. You know, Edward Scissorhands is like, oh, okay, that movie's going to be weird. Let's check that out. Like, you you know it's going to be, like, this oddball sort of movie just from hearing the title, which I guess is, like, a good thing. Yeah. I like the title. I think it works. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. (laughs) Why? What do you think? Well, it's, I guess it speaks to the movie. (laughs) <laughs> it certainly which is does. probably good which is probably good <laughs> yeah i guess that's a super obvious statement <laughs> i was reading i've been reading the screenwriting book that talks about how like yeah your title and your log line should be like so compelling that people want to get the movie made so if you were to like pitch this movie and then say it's called edward scissorhands you know it, <laughs> at this point in time it sounds like <laughs> the epitome of Tim Burton movies, <laughs> which is is great for like this guy's like early film career to like really tell people this is what I want to do and this is <laughs> this is my kind of movie. Oh yes, I've come up with the idea of a movie called Edward Scissorhands. It's about a man with hands that are made of scissors. It is super on the nose. <laughs> it is, it is, but I guess it works for him. Yeah, like I really do. He made it, it work. I think it works for this movie. So I guess, mm-hmm. what's your first impression then? Just going off of that. Well, so I saw the movie when I was a kid, 
And I don't think I've ever really seen it all the way through since then. I've seen clips of it, and we, we talked about it in school, but I've never like sat down and watched it all the way through. So I don't really remember a ton of the movie. I remember more of like the feel of the movie. I remember it being weird and interesting and cool. I remember like really liking the score and the atmosphere of the movie. So I've looked back on it and it's like that that's got to be like a cool good movie. I should I should watch it again at some point and really like see if I can grasp it this time around cuz I don't think I ever really fully grasped it as a kid. I didn't actually watch it as a kid. I saw it later. And it was already hyped then. Everyone was like, oh, Edward Scissorhands, one of Tim Burton's best. It's such a good movie. You should watch it. It's really weird, but it's really good. And so when I first saw it, I don't remember much about it either, even though I saw it later than when I was a kid, probably like my teenage years. But I still remember thinking it was overhyped and really weird, like everyone said, but also just overhyped and strange. And I was like, I don't really get it. Huh. That's interesting. So I... One thing I did remember as a kid, and I'm curious to know how you feel about this since you saw it when you were older, but, like, as a kid, I think I just sort of took it surface level, and so, like, one of my favorite parts of the movie was, like, anytime he used his hands, anytime he used his scissor hands, like, any scene that he's, like, trimming the bushes or the icicles or cutting hair or anything like that, I thought that that those were the best parts of the movie. I thought they were so cool, because, you know, I'm a kid, and it was like, that's what I want to see. I want to see him use his hands. (laughs) <laughs> How did you feel about stuff like that coming to it as an as an old slightly older viewer? See, I don't even remember thinking about that that much. I guess yeah, I did because it's about I really just didn't even know what I was getting into because it seems like it would be a like horror movie, but someone told me straight up it wasn't a horror movie. So I knew it wasn't going to be scary or anything, but I didn't know what I was getting into. What's he going to use his scissors for? And so then when he was using it for grass and Cutting dogs and things like that. I was like, what? I don't know. I just <laughs> guess it wasn't exactly what I expected. That's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting, I guess, for like people of our generation and, and younger people watching it who like are going to go see it uh, because of word of mouth and not because of like a trailer. So they're going into this this strange movie with no, with very little to go off of. That's interesting. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so, so what were you expecting this second time around? Really just to I don't know, figure out what it was about, what I missed when I was younger cuz people still loved it and I was just curious, you know, why what makes this movie so great? I mean, if I saw it in my teenage years, which is really when I think I did, I was super into like action movies and not really just wanting to see cool movies, I guess. And this was just kind of weird and out of my spectrum. And I think that's why. So I wanted to go back to this with fresh eyes. And also, I really didn't remember much. I really didn't remember the plot points. The only thing I really remembered was the sad, that it had a sad ending and that he went to like this suburban town that everything was identical. And that was really it. I didn't remember much of the middle at all. Hmm. I was expecting, like, I, I was really excited to see it again, and and I was expecting to like love it this second time around. I was like, I can finally, I can finally understand this movie. I can get it. I can, I can track it, and 
and I can look at it through these new lenses and, and really appreciate it for what it is. And finally sort of hop on the bandwagon of like, this is one of his best movies. This is a great movie. That's what I was, <laughs> that's what I was carrying in with me when the movie started. Way to set up some foreshadowing for your second impression to see what you really thought about it. <laughs> hey, I might, I might, you know, twist your expectations the way this movie kind of does. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe cut them a little bit like this uh-huh. movie does. <laughs> That's bad. Uh, do you have anything else about your first? Not really. That was it. That it was a weird movie that I won- wanted to see again to. See what I thought. It's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. That's all for me. So, second impression. Second impressions. What'd you think? I definitely appreciated it a lot more the second time around. Um, I could see things that I couldn't with my, like, teenage eyes of just wanting action and, like, just to kind of get to the climax. What's he going to use his scissors for? I could get past that this time and just kind of see the underlying themes in the movie Things like that. But also, it was still really weird. I don't think this movie will ever not be really weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, at no, at no point in time is society ever going to adapt to a point where this movie is normal. <laughs> it's just always going to be weird. <laughs> Which is kind of cool. I mean, I'm sure that was part of what he was going for. Like, he wanted to make this weird movie, and it will forever be weird. <laughs> Good for you, Tim. <laughs> So what was uh, your second impression? <clears throat> I, I like, this movie is like, I've been so torn since I've seen it. Like, I, I just keep thinking about it and going back and forth. And I can't, I can't decide, like, I can't definitively decide my, my opinion on the movie. Because it, it starts and I was like, yes, I love this. <laughs> I liked I like the the opening, like even the the 20th Century Fox logo is in on the movie. At the score is so engrossing. It's like the the first five minutes of the movie, I was like so excited to see whatever this movie was gonna have for me. Like, I just I just liked the style of it. You know, it's clearly really stylized and it stands out. And I just really liked it. Like, I liked that he was making interesting and creative choices that were sort of. I don't want to say risky, but it was like definitively choosing to do this as opposed to like just making it cookie cutter or whatever. You know, it's like this movie clearly stands out as its own thing. And I liked all of that stuff. But then the movie happens and I'm like, it's weird. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's weird. And it's not just weird in in its its like characters and, and substance and style and stuff. It's weird like... (laughs) <laughs> it's weird, like, plot-wise. It's weird as a movie. Like, sh- the way that it's structured is weird. And so, on, on in some cases, I really liked that. In others, I'm like, but you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> 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 so, I don't know. I'm, I'm torn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I, I agree with the plot, specifically the plot. That's where I thought it was strangest and didn't feel like a normal movie. Like, it's fine that you have a stylized, weird stylized, I guess, style. And that, like you said, the score was awesome. It seemed different. All the, I thought the set pieces were great. It was, I was really immersed in it. But then, yes, when it came to the plot, that was where it was like, does this need to be weird? But thinking about it, this seems more like a movie that 
since he wrote it, I'm going to guess mostly has to do with Tim Burton, but was for himself rather than for an audience. Like it's because it's so clearly about this guy who doesn't feel like he fits in modern society. And even and not only he is weird, obviously, but so is modern society, how structured it is, how just all the people there are also strange and weird. And he's and they're kind of they're not all of them aren't exactly good people either. And he just does what everyone says and ends up like they love him for it at first and then they hate him and. They're like, you need to monetize your gifts, and he just, but he just wants to give the world his gifts, and then, I don't know, kind of all over the place. But my main point is that it feels like it was more just him trying to express himself rather than just make a movie for the entire world, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely like a, a really personal film. And th- that, those were sort of things that I remembered, like, sort of you realize as the movie is going... You sort of that that message comes across, and it's it's interesting that he, you know, approached it like that and and did that for himself. Is it? And it's like it's oddly sort of relatable, even though it's like, you know, this film director talking about potentially like, like his life and his career and his art and doing stuff that's fulfilling to him that is now making you know millions and millions of dollars. But it still is like I can relate to that as a person who has ever who's ever like for one moment felt like alone or isolated or or out of place. But let me ask you like I real I sort of realized this like thirty minutes into the movie. It's like he Ed, Edward comes into this exaggerated quote unquote real world. It's not the real world. You know they are also like these exaggerated, almost cartoonish versions, these hyper-colored versions of what the real world's supposed to be. So I was kind of sort of, not disappointed, but I was was sort of scratching my head. It was just kind of like an odd choice. Like, why not have the real world be real and then see how this odd character, Edward, fits into the real world? Like, I don't think we get like a, a true, honest reaction to who Edward is until... Winona's character meets him and she freaks out in the bedroom. Like, that's the way everybody would react. As yeah. opposed to like, oh, we, we really want to know who this guy is. He's so interesting. Let's figure him out. Like, that's not, that's like the movie version. <laughs> it's not right. the real world version. How did you feel about but, him sort of setting up the real world as this exaggerated place? Well, kind of going off my hypothesis that it's more about, I guess, his point of view from everything. That could be just how... Sp- he would feel about the real world even though he's exaggerating it in movie form still what he's trying to say is though even though this is exaggerated everything's just the same we're just doing the same routine every day nothing's really different it's kind of monotonous the things like when people are doing different things from each other it's still just like they're gardening they're um fixing the roof just doing all this monotonous stuff that doesn't matter and then he comes in and makes art and kind of when people were because everyone really, like, kind of talks down to him, I guess. Not necessarily down to him, but just like, oh, he doesn't know anything. So when mm-hmm. they first meet him, and it's weird, I could totally see him just feeling like that in real life. Like, even though, obviously, it's exaggerated again, and he's got scissors for hands, and that would freak anyone out in real life. Since this is a movie, I just think it was supposed to be someone who feels out of place and is clearly different from others, but then everyone's kind of trying to tell him what to do because he doesn't know, like, 
because he doesn't know what to do since he's different. They're just like, oh, well, this is how you should do this, etc. Mm-hmm. So even though in the movie, that's probably not how they would have... Like, if that movie was real life, that's not how they would have reacted. They would they would have freaked out because he's got scissors for hands and wouldn't just be like, ooh, we want to meet him. Oh, this is normal. But I think he was just trying to convey that, oh, like, everyone's trying to tell him what to do because he's in this new world. And they're just kind of, like, have... It felt really, really pitying, I guess. Uh huh. Well, so if that's if that's sort of, I agree that that's sort of like the the theme of this movie. The, these are the ideas that are being communicated. So, what do you think it says about Tim Burton as as a as a creator, someone working in Hollywood? What do you think it says about him and what he has decided to do with his life, mirroring like how it ends? You know, Edward gets like left. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Bynes, <laughs> like, what does that communicate to to how Tim feels in real life? I know that that's uh, one of my points. I said, is the moral of the story really that we should isolate those who are different from society, <laughs> or is that just how he felt? Like, like, did he just feel isolated, or is it like, no, this is the answer. We should separate ourselves. Weird people can't be in society, or is it like, oh, he feels separate and he feels like he could never be apart. I I wondered if it's like the the idea of like hey if you if you don't fit in you don't have to you you don't have to conform you can be your own thing you don't have to adapt and become something different if you are weird and different then be weird and different. So Edward like gets to you know live in his mansion on top at the top of a hill and continues to to make his creations and he's unbothered by the rest of the world. And he sort of looked at from a distance, and and I guess at least Winona's character looks up and thinks he's still doing his thing. He's still being creative and and getting to be himself. So maybe that's you know we all look at Tim Burton from afar and like he gets, still gets to make his weird movies with Johnny Depp. <laughs> he doesn't have to <laughs> conform to the rest of like the filmmaking culture, right? Interesting, but also kind of sad. Like the whole movie is like interesting, weird, oddly beautiful. <laughs> it's right. like the tagline of this movie. <laughs> Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the plot. Because I'm I'm super curious as to why I like this weird plot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting setup. A lot of, it feels like little vignettes, you know, like little interesting quirky moments almost feels like it's like a series of short tv episodes you know like all this interesting stuff is happening to edward as he's getting introduced into this this crazy world but plot points don't really happen until like an hour into this hour and 45 minute movie and it's kind of nuts i was like uh, now things are happening it's almost as if like at that point in the movie do you decide to just continue to let it be sort of aimless and it's just this slice of life or like, I don't know, do you make the plot points happen earlier? Because when they happen at the hour and minute mark, it's like, oh, now this movie feels different. Did you feel that? Like, we hit that bump and it's like, oh, now it's now it's a movie. And now it's different than the first hour of this movie because things are happening and you can sort of start to picture what's going to happen. Because you're, you're aware of what those plot points feel like from other movies. Yeah, it definitely stands out in that way. And you can... It takes a plot shift for sure. Um, and it kind of just keeps going like that. Even at the end, 
when he kills someone specifically, the tone super shifts there. It, it just like shifts, I guess, twice for me from, like you said, the first hour of just kind of things happening and him going around to the second hour, not even an hour, more like 40 minutes of him just like plot points actually happening. And then just this super shift for me when he kills someone that just seems so different from the rest of the movie. And I think a lot of people felt the same way about that, but I don't think that's necessarily a good or bad thing. It's just interesting. It really draws my attention. And I think it really worked for the film, honestly, even though I guess because it's about being like, it's about being different and weird. So even the plot wise, it's different and weird. It doesn't follow just the normal three act structure, so to say. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. plot points come when they come. So is the lesson of it sort of like, if you take the time to really develop characters and tell us who they are, and, and even in this, in this particular case, like building the world and, and, and creating like this world that we can enter into that we can really like, like just like almost tangibly feel because it's so engrossing with the score and everything. Like if you really take time to do all that stuff, you get a little leeway with your plot and we'll sort of follow you. Like if we're invested, then you can do whatever you want almost. That's kind of what it feels like. Which is really interesting, especially for me. I Plot is one of my biggest things, and it's what I look for, and I want a good plot in a movie, but I still, like you said, it kept my attention, even in the beginning, when there w- really wasn't much plot at all. Just him kind of going around, but I was still invested and curious. And I guess it just has a lot to do with how different it is from so many other movies that come out. I want to keep watching because I want to know like where this is going, like where it's headed because it's so different and weird. If it had just been like every other movie and it had no plot, I probably would have lost interest. But since it was so different and he put so much uh, work in the score, that score is so good, by the way. And um, the characters, like you said, yeah, it just pulled me along till I, we did get to the plot. If there was no plot at all, that would have been a different story. I, Pretty sure I would not have liked it, but yeah, it worked really well that he worked so hard on that beginning part to get me to when the plot finally started unfolding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just this, like, it's this really unique and refreshing movie, and everything sort of works in this cohesive way, you know? Like, it's like what we're saying is that it's not a it's not a plot that on paper works really smoothly and really well, but when you add every bit of this production to it, it, it really makes it uh, it, it makes it feel enjoyable. It's like it's like fluff that that tastes great. <laughs> you know, it's like it's it really the movie works as a whole. It really does. And if you pick apart different things of it, then then that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna you're gonna pick apart and realize that they're they're not super strong pieces individually but but together this is like a really odd interesting weird and beautiful movie (laughs) how did you feel about like (laughs) i was curious how you felt about like the the love aspect of it how do you feel about winona Ryder's character and edward being in love i mean it kind of just goes back to i think tim burton was expressing how he feels and just being different from society i don't know it's just weird, like the rest of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I really don't. I think because the fact that he she ends up loving him kind of just shows that he wins out, at least in this movie. So I don't know. <laughs> it might have just been like something he wanted to do, I guess, like to yeah. write that to get like, even though it's a sad ending, it's still kind of happy in a way. She does love him, even though he's so odd and different. Yeah. Why? What do you think? Well, I did. I, I mean, I, I, you know, you see it coming. And you, you, <laughs> you, cer- you certainly see it coming because as soon as Edward sees a picture of her, he falls in love with her. And I'm sort of fine with that. It's like the first young girl that he ever sees. <laughs> sort of makes sense. But when you sort of see it start to coming from her end of it, I was kind of like, oh, is that going to happen? I mean, I knew it was going to happen. I remembered that, but it was like, uh. So I, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't buy it as like this, this romantic sort of love. But I think the way it ends up is kind of nice. Because, I mean, she, does, she kiss him on, does she kiss him on the cheek? I can't remember. I think it's on the cheek. Yeah. So it, it, it feels like this, it feels more like, love that is like adoration than it is romantic you know she goes off and lives her life and it doesn't there's no there's there are not very many indicators that it was a life that wasn't fulfilling like for all we know she she was very content and lived her life and had kids had grandkids and that's great and edward went and did his thing and they can still look fondly at each other in in this loving way that's not necessarily like i have to be with you i can't live without you you know, that's, I think that is great. I think it's great that it's a love story that's not, I need you kind of thing. Because that's yeah. garbage. <laughs> <laughs> that's garbage. <laughs> Most of the time, it's garbage. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> so, so I didn't, yeah, I didn't buy it as romantic love. And then it reveals itself to not be that. And I was like, oh, cool. That's great. Yeah, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think it just, again, sets itself apart from other movies in that way. Because so yeah. many of them, you got to have the two people end up together or else your audience is going to be... Make them fall in love. <laughs> Make them fall in love. <laughs> but the audience <laughs> is going to be disappointed. And I'm sure some people were still disappointed with this sad ending. But yet, it's still got such a cult following, so... I also wondered if it was like if it was better for you and I to watch this movie now, outside of the context of the early '90s where Winona and Jim, Johnny Depp were actually dating. I think they were actually dating when this movie came out. I could be wrong. Fact check I that. I have no idea. I have no idea. But if that was the case, I'm sure people maybe that sort of you know hindered the way people appreciated this subplot because they were like, oh, of course they're going to get together. They're together in real life. Maybe that was kicking around in people's subconscious as they watched it. And now we had none of that because he's like, with Amber Heard or maybe they got divorced. I don't know. <laughs> not not Winona Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> not Winona Ryder. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. did you... Okay, I asked Molly this because uh, I was curious as to how people will remember the movie. Prior to your... I should have asked you in first viewing. Prior to second viewing... Did you remember that Edward talked at all? I could not remember. <laughs> I was yeah. honestly thinking about it. And so when he immediately, like, when he's talk first opened his mouth when she met him, I was like, okay, well, now I remember. Well, I don't remember, <laughs> but now I know he did yeah. talk. <laughs> yeah. 
I thought he did. I thought he never talked. If you would have asked me last week, I would have said, oh, yeah, he's a silent character. That is not true. I might not have said that with, with like, strong authority. I'd be like, uh, I think he's silent, but I don't remember him talking at all. So the first thing he does is say something, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he talked in this movie. But the thing of it is, is, like, I I don't know. How do you feel about, should he have not said anything, or should he have said more? Is it, is the amount of talking that he does... Are you okay with that? Because I feel like there were times where it was really convenient that he didn't say anything. <laughs> I think it worked. I, I'm i fine with the amount that okay. he talked. Okay. I think it spoke to his character. Why? There's just one scene that he should have talked and he didn't. Like when the cops are telling him to drop his hand or his knives or whatever. You know, like he should have said something. And I guess you could argue that that's his character and that probably is what it is. But I just like, I don't know. In that moment, I wondered, should they have just, you know, decided and not be lukewarm about it? Should, does he talk? Does he not? Because mm-hmm. me, because I, I can, I can envision a movie where it's maybe a little more interesting that he never talks and people just, people just know him by his actions or or that's how they get to know him. So I don't, I don't know. I, I, that was one of the things that had me going back and forth. And, you know, <clears throat> with some time between my last viewing, I think it, it probably does work ultimately. He talks a little bit. He doesn't talk all the time. But that one moment still sort of like, I can't get past it. That one moment he should have said, these are my hands or something, you know? <laughs> see, but I couldn't see him saying that. I yeah. just, I don't think it matched. I don't think there's anything he could have said in it, that scene that, Matches up with what he said. Yeah. And he's not a, he's not a character that defends himself, really. You know, he, he's not a character that, like, it's not an excuse, I guess. These are my hands. But it still feels like, yeah, I guess you're right. It, 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 would, it would have been out of character for him to say something in that moment. But as a, as a storyteller, to me, it felt like, well, that's a little convenient. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I, it's fine. <laughs> I just there's no line I can think of that he could say that would sound right because there's like don't shoot or there's like <laughs> like you said these are my hands uh, like but I can't see him saying that like yeah they just are his hands. <laughs> how did you feel about like how he is really obviously really skilled and really great at using his scissors for X Y and Z? But he's terrible at eating. He's terrible at, like, not cutting his own face. I know. (laughs) I was about to say, he cuts his own face all the time. (laughs) So, like, where is his skill level? You know what I mean? I I continually ask myself that. But I guess it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice in that, like, here's a character who is skilled but not perfect at his skill set. You know, because I feel like a lot of times in movies, when a character is good at something, they are the best at it. And, you know, their the their flaws lie in their personality and not in their skill set. I think it's okay to have a really skilled character who's not perfect at their skill set. So I was fine with it in that respect. But I, it did have me constantly wondering throughout the movie, like, how are you not better at not cutting your face? <laughs> yeah. Hey. I was more concerned with other people letting him, like, cut their hair and cut their dog's hair. I was like, really? He cuts his own face all the time. Why Why would you trust him to do this? It's one thing to cut your bush because you're not going to hurt anyone. But 
your own hair. That's and he does it really quickly. <laughs> that was more yeah. more of where my hmm, okay kind of lied. Would you really Did- do that? But then again, <laughs> would anything in this movie really happen? No. So I just let everything like that go. It's about yeah, a guy like with this, scissors for hands. So this like gothic fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How did you um, or did any of the sort of style choices? Did any of them feel over the top? <laughs> I mean, this movie's over the top, but uh-huh. <laughs> but no. I was. I also like that it's a time before CGI was a big thing. So I like that everything is pretty much real. I yeah. really enjoy that. It's a. It was really a breath of fresh air, so to speak. I really enjoyed that everything was real. Um, I'm sure not everything, everything was real, but that more, most everything was real, really there, not just computer animated and added in. Or that it ultimately all felt real. Even if there was a little bit of visual effects, they don't stick out. That's a good point. I, (laughs) there's a shot early in the movie where she's trying to sell makeup door to door. And then (laughs) she decides to go up to Edward's house. And there's a shot of this towering mountain with a black mansion on top. And it's like in the middle of this, this like, it's, it's so exact. Like the colors of this neighborhood are ridiculous. And (laughs) so I refuse to say the word juxtaposition, but the contrast is awesome. (laughs) And like, like it's so over the top, but I loved it. It like made me laugh. And I was like, this is, this is pretty great. (laughs) It's like, it's, it's like the title it's on the nose, but it's, but it works. Another tagline for the movie. I've said juxtaposition in a podcast episode. How dare you? When did you say that? <laughs> I don't remember. I was listening and I was like, oh, I totally said juxtaposition. <laughs> I must have tuned it out. I must have. Tuned. Year, years of sitting in film classes and like people just throwing that word around. I must have just, I've adapted to tuning that word out. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, awesome. <laughs> I think we've digressed. Yeah. I feel like in this conversation, I have come to a decision that I like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. I don't think that I don't think I was prepared to say that before we talked about it, but I do <laughs> like it. It's yeah. it's oddly beautiful. It, mm-hmm. It's like it really is beautiful. It in uh, yeah, that's it is. I can't There you go. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it will ever be one of my favorite movies. I'm not sure any of Tim Burton's movies will ever be one of my favorite movies, but it's definitely a great movie that I think anyone could watch and enjoy. Some people will think it's too weird for them. That's fine, but I still think everyone should give it a shot. Mm-hmm. I agree. Bam! So, sort of interesting segue. We could just go right into talking about Tim. Oh, yes. Uh, good old Timothy. I believe is his full name. I have no idea if that's his full name, but Timothy I assume Burton. it is. <laughs> it's probably, it probably takes a weird left turn. It's like Timothy Marie Burton. <laughs> Timothy Marie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't oh do improv. <laughs> it would just be a slew of weird noises and, and non-words. <laughs> but you can call me Tim... <laughs> That's from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, in case you're wondering. 
Another classic film we should do in this podcast. We, yeah, that's a great one. We should do that one. Uh, we should do that one, but with a little bit of a different thing. We should maybe do it three times. Our first impression, second impression with a group of people, third impression by yourself. <laughs> it is no. very different by yourself. It is very different. It's so different. It's such a different experience. <laughs> uh, for next time, let's talk about Tim. Tim. I have I have a list of his movies. I'm just going to rattle them off, and then we can talk about which ones we've seen, which ones we like, or whatever. Yeah. All right, so Batman, Beetlejuice, Batman Returns, Ed Wood, Mars Attacks, Sleepy Hollow, Planet of the Apes, Big Fish, I'm only halfway through, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Corpse Bride, Sweeney Todd, Alice in Wonderland, Dark Shadows, Frankenweenie, Big Eyes, and then this week, Miss... How you say it? Miss... Peregrines? Peregrines? I don't know. I think it's Peregrines. Her, her Home for Peculiar Children. That's coming out this week. And then as a producer, he Nightmare Before Christmas and James and the Giant Peach. That's a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah. And these are only the ones that he's, like, directed. You know, he, he's had his hand in other movies. But that's like, a, that's, like, a really big body of work. And I've only seen, like, eight of those movies. Yeah? Yeah. How many have you seen? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. Not very many. Okay. I think five. Okay. <laughs> That's crazy. It's such a big body of work. Uh, and, I, and I feel like, you know, I've seen half of them. That's still like seven has got to be enough to, to sort of get a, like a somewhat of a grasp on who this guy is as a filmmaker. To mm-hmm. have seen seven of one person's movies. So. <laughs> there yeah. you go. <laughs> was what was interesting to me about thinking about Tim Burton movies is like, yeah, I don't know if there are any of these movies that I really love. Some of them I hate, like Planet of the Apes, um, <laughs> or like we're really disappointing, like Alice in Wonderland. You know, there's standouts like Batman, Beetlejuice, this movie. Oh, I didn't even list this movie in that list, but yeah, Batman's and Beetlejuice and this movie. You know, the ones that I like. Nightmare Before Christmas is great, but it's just sort of all over the map. In, st- in terms of how I've responded to these movies. But I think the thing that's interesting is, like, clearly this is a director with a lot of style. He's got his own unique vision and style. I would argue that he could use more substance in these wide range of movies. But this is a guy that has, I would say, like, a, a pretty good reputation, if not one that's, like, he was great and is now doing middling stuff. We'll see how this newest movie does. But he doesn't have the reputation that, like, Michael Bay or Zack Snyder does. They, those two directors being directors who get, you know, I would say praise in their visuals and then not in their storytelling. But why does Tim Burton have a better reputation? Uh, I think it's because he goes off the beaten path. They have a very stylized, but it's still just kind of the same as everything else. Like what we were talking about with this Edward Scissorhands, it's just so different and that's what keeps our attention. It does... it. Transformers, for example, is just like every other action movie out there. It's just also super stylized and doesn't have as much substance. Well, this movie is very different, and you get deep into the character. Not necessarily super deep, but just there's so much work put into, um, like we said, the set pieces and the score, as well as it's just so different and out there. And I kind of wrote down, I think that works for a while, but now I just... At this point, I've kind of come to expect it from Tim Burton movies. So <laughs> yeah. it kind of fall. The newer ones really do kind of, for me, fall into 
the Michael Bay and uh, Zack Snyder category because it's just kind of what I've come to expect rather than be this kind of unique new thing. It's just all kind of weird. Yeah, the weird has become normal, Mm -hmm. which is a bummer. It's like actually Edward Scissorhands lived in Hollywood and produced giant budget movies. (laughs) He didn't go (laughs) off and continue to make his own unique films. So, yeah, that's an interesting point, though. He's he's different enough to sort of separate himself from, like, big stylized action movies. He's he's going to make big stylized Tim Burton oddball movies. Right. That's a good point. I wondered if, if also his reputation is built upon, like, you know, four or five of his early movies that were really well-received. You know, he, like, started strong, whereas, like, Zack and Michael, I don't know if they really ever got a strong start. I definitely think he started strong for sure. Um, although he's just never really been one of my favorites. I don't know why. Most of those mm-hmm. movies that I say I've seen, I don't even think I've seen all the way through. Well, I might have over all of time, but I don't think I've, I don't typically sit down and watch a Tim Burton movie all the way mm-hmm. through in one sitting. I'm mm-hmm. sure I've seen all of Batman. I've obviously seen all of Edward Scissorhands, but it's most of them have just been over several different viewings. I know what happens throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So, okay, if you were, if someone were to randomly ask you, hey, what, what Tim Burton movies do you like? What's your favorite one? Would you have an answer? I don't know. <laughs> I think the only two I've sat down and watched all the way through are Edward Scissorhands and Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd? I haven't seen Sweeney Todd. Did you like that movie? I did like Sweeney Todd, um, but <laughs> it's extremely graphic and gory. But uh-huh. I did like it. Okay. I think that might be my favorite because, like I said, I've only seen the two. Yeah. And then the other ones I've just seen bits and pieces, like, mm-hmm. strung over time. Interesting. Well, I have that question for you. What is your favorite Burton film? Well, it might be Edward Scissorhands now, but maybe that's not fair because it's so fresh in my mind. But, I mean, Beetlejuice is great. It's probably one I need to rewatch. Uh, I saw Batman recently, and was it's sort of similar. It's like oddly blown away by it. Like it, it sort of it messes with your expectations of it if you don't if you don't really remember the plot points. And it's it's cool. And I sort of give it credit for for you know where we are in superhero movies today. Um, I need to rewatch Big Fish because I, I know a lot of people love that movie, and I've seen it, but I don't. I didn't take anything away from it when I watched it as a kid. So I don't know. I would probably say like, I don't know. At this point, I would say Edward Scissorhands, but that would probably change. <laughs> yeah. Also, I forgot. I have seen Alice in Wonderland 2 all the way through. Oh, not not the first movie. one. Yeah. <laughs> I think he just produced that. But it yeah, is like so whoever whoever did do it was just doing like his Tim Burton impression. I know. <laughs> I mean, everything's exactly the same as the first one, so. I forgot. I might. I probably would say Nightmare Before Christmas. Actually, hmm? he didn't. He, I, I would probably say Nightmare Before Christmas. He didn't direct that, but yeah, he produced but he it produced and it. had a lot of hands in it. And he wrote it. and It's great. I would. Yeah, yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas is so good. Yeah, that would probably be my top. If we're if we're talking about just overall and not just directing, yeah. probably Nightmare Before Christmas. Great one. Let me ask you. So he he obviously almost comically has collaborated with Johnny Depp so many times 
and his ex-wife, Helena Bonham Carter. Do you Mm -hmm. think that that also helps his reputation? The fact that he's sort of, I wouldn't say discovered and I wouldn't even say launched, but has worked so closely with like two actors that are considered great actors, despite like maybe some questionable recent roles. Like I would say that those two are still considered really good actors. And because his name is so closely attached to them, maybe that helps his, you know, his like his Hollywood street cred. Whereas like, I don't know if Zach or, or Michael Bay have that. And I hate to keep harping on those two. It's just, they're easy targets. (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i guess it could have i don't know it's possible they've also all done separate things as well but i suppose it could have helped a little bit but no i don't know at the same time if he had just made i don't think that gives enough credit i suppose because if he had just made movies like Zack snyder and michael bay but still launched those two i don't i think he would still he would have fallen into their category Michael Bay and Zack Snyder. I think it really just mostly has to do with his style of movie making. You want to give it to him on his own merits. That's fine. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Just because he's not my favorite, I still think he did something different and creative. I don't know. Yeah. I still, out of Tim Burton, I still want, I want one really great, imaginative, unique movie that I love. I want to like really love it. Mm-hmm. And tell everyone about it. I want there to be a Tim movie that I, a Tim Burton movie where I'm like, everyone needs to go see this. This is amazing. This is the best. Whereas like right now, it's like he's he's cool. He's done some cool stuff. I want to be like, I want there to be one movie that I really really love. Yeah, uh, we'll see if that can even happen at this point. <laughs> I just uh, it just feel like it just feels forced at this point. Just I feel like if it's not weird, he's like, oh that's weird. Turn it up. Make it weirder. Like, it's just too weird at this point. Like, it's purposefully weird, and you can feel it. Yeah. I think it just kind of has to be weird and not kind of force that weirdness upon you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's where I think, like, I'm not saying that it's going to happen or it could happen, but if, if it happened now and one of his recent movies sort of blew your mind, it would be really cool because you would think that, he would have had to incorporate more creativity than ever before to, to sort of subvert what we think of as Tim Burton weird, quote-unquote Tim Burton weird. So he would have to sort of, like, play with our expectations of what he has built his whole career on, which could be really awesome. It's like, it, it, it would be a really hard thing to do, and that's why I think if he, were to, if he could pull it off at this point in his career, it'd be so cool. Yeah. I also think but, he could do like a great TV show. That's just sucks <laughs> yeah, that I think he, he someone really should give him could. a TV show. But I also just think that's because it's so hard to just play with your directing style. Because even looking at other directors that upon their first movies, you wouldn't maybe notice that they have a directing style. But then as you continue to watch them, you'll see them. For example, I think uh, Fincher has a super like like a style of his own, and mm-hmm. I think it would be hard for him to break away from it. I think. And as you just go on, that's kind of what hurts your movies because you just have that style. It's your style, but it's in all your movies and we kind of expect something new. And I think it's just really hard to play with and kind of break away from that style to create something new. I think that's just difficult to do in general. Yeah. Like with uh, The Hateful Eight that just came out, I think um, Tarantino's 
uh, style. Like he has a very specific style, and when that one came out, most people were like, okay, we've seen this a thousand times. Yeah. So I think it's just it's just going to be hard to do at this point. I think. I believe in you, Tim. If you're listening. <laughs> we believe go in for you, it, buddy. Go for it, do you it. weird, you weird guy. <laughs> <laughs> you weird guy. <laughs> Funny. Well, and that's all I have to say about that. That's all I got. That was <laughs> the worst Forrest Gump impression I've ever heard anyone do. <laughs> awesome. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll end on that. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your favorite Tim Burton movie, guys? Let us know, listeners. Which one's your favorite? Let's do both. Num- Let's do which one. What's your least favorite? What's your favorite? Ooh, that'll be that. interesting. Yeah, I want to know that for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> also, just FYI, in the future, if you come across a, an Afterthoughts episode and you haven't seen the movie and you don't want it to be spoiled to death, you can check out in the description. I have a timestamp there. Uh, so you can just jump right into whatever topic interests you if you haven't seen that movie. So feel free to do that because I'm going to do it every week. And heads up, next week we will be talking about the usual suspects. So you can take a take a listen. <laughs> Watch the usual suspects uh, this week if you'd like to, and you can hop on that conversation with us uh, next week. And thank you for listening just in general. If you'd like to continue to support the podcast, the best way to do that right now is to uh, rate us on iTunes, leave a review, share it with a friend, uh, tweet at us is helpful. Let us know that <laughs> that you're listening. Uh, we'd love to to know that you're listening. <laughs> but yeah, uh, subscribe on iTunes. That would be a great help. And stay tuned uh, uh, on the YouTube channel. You can follow the podcast on the YouTube channel if that's your thing. If you're listening to it on the YouTube channel right now, then this is kind of redundant. Uh, but for those of you that aren't, stay tuned. There will be new mini episodes that are going to be exclusive to YouTube that you can check out over there. And yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. (laughs) We will uh, maybe see you in a weird Tim Burton dream. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Or see you next week. One or the other. See y'all. Thanks. (laughs) Bye.